and welcome back to another episode of The Conspiracy Skeptic. I'm The Conspiracy Skeptic, Carl Mamer. Uh, I'm actually doing something a little bit different this month. I'm going back to a, I guess, one of the solo shows. Uh, this is sort of based on research I did on a rather strange UFO cult called the Etheria Society. I wrote some blog posts about it, so uh, this podcast is going to be based on those blog posts. My best friend Terry has, for the want of something to occupy his time, decided to become the uh, leading expert on the Betty and Barney Hill UFO abduction case. I keep promising you guys um, that I'm going to have him on as a guest, and he's going to you know, blow the lid off the claims of many of the prominent ufologists who have built careers around the idea that the Hill case is some sort of slam dunk for ufology. Uh, I should note here that this blow the lid off claim is, is my hyperbole, not my friend Terry's. Terry is still still working on it. Every time he thinks he's got the full skinny, he discovers the onion has another layer. Terry, Terry's a perfectionist. I, I've learned in my 30-plus years of friendship with him, it's impossible to rush him. Genius just eventually tumbles out of his brain. But one day I'm, I'm going to do an episode about the Betty and Barney Hill story, and it's going to be glorious. Uh, I guess I should point out that the Hill case is usually described as the first UFO abduction case and created the template for what is considered, uh, quote, you know, legitimate features of the abduction mythos. Uh, we have gray aliens, invasive medical experiments, and missing time. The, uh, the, the 50th anniversary of the Hill case actually passed in September 2001. Uh, I was kind of hoping to actually have my friend Terry on to sort of celebrate that. Strangely enough, or maybe not strangely enough, uh, September 11th, uh, the Hill case actually passed with very little fanfare, because I guess maybe there was another anniversary to semi-celebrate in uh, 2011, September. Previous to the uh, UFO abduction myth, uh, 1950s ufology was populated with, uh, with what became known as the contactees. Contactees were people who claimed to have had contact with uh, space aliens and were usually given a very contemporaneous message, uh, you know, a message very contemporaneous to their actual time. The, the 1950s was the start of the Cold War, and, and to many in the West, it, it seemed a, a war that the, the, the godless Soviets were winning. The, the Soviets seemed to be winning in the race to space and in nuclear weapons development, and, and they were kind of steamrolling over a lot of countries. Uh, no, no doubt many people uh, would take solace in, in a belief that benevolent space aliens were up there, standing ready to enforce the peaceful use of space and eventually save us all from nuclear madness. Many skeptics are probably vaguely familiar with the uh, contactee movement via the seminal work on cults and uh, cognitive dissonance called When Prophecy Fails. Uh, in this book, it was it documented a UFO cult that, that formed around a contactee who predicted the end of the world on a very specific date. Uh, when Prophecy Fails documents uh, what, what happens to the members uh, when you know, the uh, the world didn't actually end. How, how did they, they rationalize it? Basically, they, they, they rationalized it by, uh, by believing that, that, their, that their sort of devotion had, uh, had actually caused the space aliens to prevent the, the end of the world. 
One of the biggest names in the contactee movement was uh, American George Adamski. Uh, Adamski had some pretty far-out claims. Uh, one, in 1952, a space alien from Venus contacted Adamski and warned him about the dangers of nuclear war. Uh, two, Adamski was taken on a UFO and given a tour of the solar system. Three, people were being reincarnated onto other planets, notably Venus. Now, now remember this list, because it's going to sound familiar in, in, in a bit. The, the idea that planets within our solar system support advanced intelligent life seems seems very quaint today. We we know Venus is not hot enough to melt lead, and it's not a jungle planet. You know, Mars is not a dune-like world with a sword-wielding Amazons riding lizards. But in the 1950s, intelligent life within our solar system was was a feature on sci-fi uh, TV and, and sci-fi movies and, and and literature. And it, it's not surprising that the contact D movement just well well parroted that. Ufology has largely moved beyond the, the contactee movement, um, probably, I guess, maybe somewhat embarrassed by their unsophisticated claims later proven false by actual, real scientific space exploration. Adamski today is kind of the poster child for the silliness of the times. Modern contactees have largely been shunned by quote, serious ufologists. Uh, even as uh, early as 1965, ufologist uh, Jacques Vallée commented, uh, and this is only according to Wiki, uh, quote, no serious investigator has ever been very worried by the claims of the contactees. Ooh, burn. Uh, now, I say according to Wiki because I, when I search on that phrase, I just keep basically finding that same phrase reposted again and again and again uh, without actually any references to where, where it really comes from. That, to me, is always a warning sign. But, uh, but it, it, assuming the, uh, the wiki quote is true, uh, well, uh, burn. So you would think that surely you know, no one adheres to the, the 1950s contactee myths today given what we know about Mars and Venus and and uh, and such. But a, a, as it turns out, people people still do. Um, my, my, my friend Terry sort of pointed out to me an alternative bookstore in Toronto that was, was hosting a, a, a talk by a, a guy from a, 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 a UFO, uh, I'll say called, I think the correct term these days is New Religious Movement, um, called the uh, Aetherius Society. Uh, the, what sort of really caught our interest was he, he sort of claimed uh, it would provide, quote, uh, irrefutable evidence of the claims of Dr. George King. Uh, Do Dr. George King, or I should actually say George King, because uh, the there's nothing online, even the Aetherius Society's own website, that actually documents where he got his doctorate. George George King uh, was the the founder of this Aetherius uh, Society. G George King was uh, was from the UK, uh, although King is not a ready name, I guess, on the lips of many skeptics, in, in especially in North America. Um, my friend Terry is what record collectors would call a completionist, and he had heard of uh, uh, George King, so Terry suggested we, we attend the lecture. It could be interesting. The, the lecture, like I say, promised, and I'm going to quote from, from, the, from the page, uh, quote, 
overwhelming irrefutable evidence that will show to any logical, open-minded thinker that the claims of this true cosmic channel are valid and of the utmost importance to all upon Earth. So, proof, you know, irrefutable evidence. It, to me, it sounded like a fine way to spend a Saturday afternoon uh, in, in the middle of Canadian winter. I was also particularly intrigued to actually, you know, meet someone who in you know, this day and age, I actually still believes there's there's an advanced civilization on Mars. My my own bias had me kind of imagining someone not unlike, you know, Mark and Mindy's Exeter. Uh, curiously, Exeter, like so many UFO contactees of the 1950s, was hung up on the notion of uh, Venusian saviors. The, the, the speaker uh, was presently surprised. He, he did not turn out to be kind of a weird guy in a dirty cassock. He was actually just very well-dressed. Um, he would give uh, someone like George Robb kind of a, uh, a run for his money in terms of the satorial style. And, and, and I found actually the guy quite, quite, quite engaging. The, the, the talk began with a short history of King and, and the beliefs of this ethereal society. King, he, I, he's deceased now. He died in 1997. He, uh, he, I, in, the, in the 50s, he started off as sort of a uh, practitioner of yoga, which, I, you know, in the 50s was, I guess, pretty alien back then. I mean, today, everybody and, and their girlfriend is, is, has, a, has a yoga mat, but, but, but back then, you know, I'm but probably seemed as alien as well. Space, space aliens. King curiously also, he had a very kind of up occult upbringing. His mother was a psychic, and so it's not too surprising he uh, he had a very, you know, he eventually found a career in, 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 in Wu. Now, at some point, King had achieved, according, at least according to the Theory Society, had achieved such a advanced state of, I don't Yogic, yoganess that uh, that that a, a interplanetary parliament, uh, people from cosmic intelligences from Venus and Mars, w- w- contacted him in the middle of one of his uh, yogic yoga ing things, and uh, they sort of delivered him a message that um, well, nuclear energy is bad, and uh, humans reincarnate onto other planets in the solar system like Venus. And uh, by the way, Jesus was from Venus. Now, now you 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 think to yourself uh, that does sound a lot like you know what Adamski was claiming. And, and I should sort of point out that Adamski made these claims in 1952, and King then on his side of the pond made those claims in 1954. Mm not particularly original, but uh, and again, not too surprising, you know, both had a message contemporaneous with the times, and, and strangely enough, uh, it, they both sort of uh, had a message that sounded a lot like the plot of the uh, Day the Earth Stood Still, which actually came out in 1951. Now, now you, you're probably thinking, well, how could somebody believe that there are... Uh, you know, intelligent civilizations on on Mars and Venus, and 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 I kind of went to the talk, sort of hoping to you know point that out to to the speaker. But I I guess you know they've heard it before, and and um, what I I, I think they've kind of done is they've kind of retconned the the whole idea uh, that that you know these are these weren't actually uh, uh, corpor uh, corporeal uh, beings in a in a 
in a body. Uh, they're they're kind of like uh, like spirit beings, and they live on a different vibrational plane of existence. And sure, but I mean, I don't think a lot of people really knew about quantum mechanics back in in the fifties. So you know, maybe this was a retcon. So I actually went to the um, to, to King's King's book, which is called "You Are Responsible," where he sort of this was his first book, where he sort of lays out all his his claims, and and we we, we see sort of passages like King asking, supposedly asking the space aliens, "What what is the temperature of those on Venus who use a physical body?" and and quote on Venus, some of our younger ones eat and drink the the juice from certain berries, and that juice that's given off by certain trees. So you know, I, I'm looking at these quotes in the book, and I, I don't know that sounds to me like King believed there were physical beings on on Venus, and there were trees and other plant life. Uh, and other passages in in King's book, you are responsible exclamation mark uh, that's actually the full title your responsible exclamation mark which we actually published in 1961 uh, king also claims to have traveled to mars sure why not and he describes you know buildings and and quote lo- longitudinal vegetation belts and and martian soil to be radioactive as best as as best I can tell, uh, no lander has actually found a radioactive regolith, and and my good friend and you know semi regular conspiracy skeptic guest Stuart Robbins, who has his own podcast now, uh, exposing pseudo astronomy. Uh, I mean, he's spent over five years staring at high resolution images of Mars, and uh, he never mentioned seeing vegetation or buildings. Uh, I I suggest this King fellow never went to Mars. Now, now c- central to this um, Ethereum society are, are kind of basically, well, two two really bad astronomy claims that um, one one of their one of their claims is that, that 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 humans didn't actually you know evolve on Earth, but they evolved on this this other planet called Mal- Maldek, and um, the Ethereum Society claims that, that, that Maldek was was located where we find the asteroid belt today, and that 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 the 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 people on Maldek destroyed the planet with nuclear weapons, and 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 some survivors made it to Earth, and 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 what is the asteroid belt now is actually the remnants of of Maldek. The problem with this claim is is that. I mean, a long time ago, people sort of thought maybe the asteroid belt was uh, a planet that sort of broke apart. But but today we we have pretty good evidence that that the uh, that the asteroid belt is just just from stuff that kind of just largely largely accreted in place. There 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 are four lines of evidence for 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 this. One that that matter in the asteroid belt is only about four percent of the moon's mass, so nowhere uh, near a planet size. Um, there's not enough mass to have, to have actually accreted into into a planet, and 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 the gravity from Jupiter prevents the matter from actual further accretion. This is why it's still kind of like a little belt. And uh, asteroid chemistry, uh, you know, we we do sometimes get uh, rocks from the asteroid belt sort of crashing to Earth. The when we look at that chemistry, it's it's inconsistent with uh, with uh, you know, having once been part of a planet. The other bit of bad astronomy they they seem to, to cling to is is that there's there's a planet x out there uh and and this planet x is where uh i guess humans will reincarnate uh 
uh, not I got, it's it's kind of like a way station apparently. It's sort of like pe- people who you know just are really good at yoga. They will when they die they will advance to some new vibrational plane. But but the Ethereans sort of believe that the uh, people who you know haven't sort of practiced yoga quite enough that uh, when they die they will sort of reincarnate onto this this planet X, which I guess George King at, at some point claim there, there there was a, a, a planet X in one of his uh, sort of his transmissions when the theory society they 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 have all these sort of logs of George King sort of supposedly channeling and a yoga trance you know and he claims that the, you know, he's it's not really him just talking it's like him channeling uh, information from various uh, space aliens usually someone called Ethereus, which is like why they called the Ethere society and uh, another space alien called Mars sector six I, I mean this sounds all very uh, this sounds all very 50 science fiction what, now which is strange is that George King claimed that that planet X was uh, was in an orbit that uh, always sort of put it behind the sun, so you know we couldn't we couldn't see this planet X. Uh, the, the the problem with that, of course, is if there is sort of you know a large planet behind the sun that we would still even if we couldn't see it, we would still be able to detect its gravitational effect. If you remember. Uh, uh, Mercury, we we couldn't qu- using just new- Newtonian physics, we couldn't quite explain the orbit of Mercury. So so astronomers sort of posited this planet called Vulcan that that you know was not visible, we couldn't see. But but w- w- if you took into this unseen planet's uh, you know gravitational effect, then it then it explained the orbit of Mercury. But as most of us know, that relativity came along and then uh, explained the, the the orbit of Mercury better. So so. If there is a planet actually, you know, just in kind of a Earth orbit, but always just orbiting right behind uh, the sun, we we would uh, its effects on on you know Mercury and Venus would would be noticeable. We we understand the orbits of Mercury and Venus. The Ethereum Society has sort of updated its claims recently. Well, at least as recent as nineteen nineteen ninety. Now they now they sort of believe that there is a uh, Planet about six six times Earth's mass that sort of orbits. Now uh, they, they claim it orbits at a right angle to sort of the planetary plane, and somehow this explains uh, why we can't see it. But um, since we can kind of basically see the whole sky, all 360 degrees of the sky, that there's there's no place we can actually uh, not see. Uh, the sky and and this planet, so so that's sort of a strange claim, and and the Ethereum Society sort of points to uh, uh, the, the the orbits of Neptune and Uranus that that that, that they that they they're sort of per- perturbations in in their orbits, and and this could be then explained by the existence of a planet X, and and that that was a legitimate uh, claim um, a couple decades ago, but. Uh, the Voyager probes actually gave us a much better look at, at Neptune, and uh, we, we were sort of able to sort of recalculate the mass of Neptune. And that actually sort of explains the, the strange orbits that 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 we just thought ne- Neptune was a little too big. So, so in fact, that the orbits of Uranus and Neptune are now fully explained today, and you don't have to appeal to any kind of planet X. So, 
So the Ethereum Society, unfortunately, they keep putting forward this this really bad astronomy. The Australian Belt claim too is sort of I believe based on on the work of a Canadian astronomer called Michael o- 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 Ovenden, uh, who actually hypothesized you know, the whole idea that it was it was a destroyed planet. He hypothesized this in in 1972, but his his hypothesis hasn't really gained any traction in the last 40 years. And, and, and as far as I can tell, there doesn't appear to be any controversy among among scientists today about the about the origin of the asteroid belt. All, all this kind of points to this this what. This problem with this, the theory society, and, and, and a problem with a lot of kind of, I don't know, religions and 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 woo believers is that they they sort of, they, they kind of cherry pick some some science or the the current science of the day, which is like the 1950s and the 1960s or 70s, and then they go, well, that, wow, that you know, that proves it, and but they don't sort of check back, you know, oh, a couple decades later and sort of see if if science is advanced and, and, and that's what happens in science and this is a pretty good eg- example that okay so that's basically the the, the setup of the Ethereum society uh, some bad astronomy and in a guy whose mm, philosophy seems informed by uh, the contactee movement of the time plus some oh science fiction movies We'll move on now to the to the quote irrefutable proof. The the irrefutable proof, as it turned out at, at this talk, kind of follows the um, the form of um, Michael Horn and uh, Billy Meyer. Uh, their their kind of irrefutable proof. Uh, if you're familiar with, if you're not familiar with Michael Horn and Billy Meyer, see uh, see the previous podcast I did with with Stuart Robbins about. Uh, about those two and the asteroid up up apothis. Anyway, uh, in, in both cases, in both uh, the Ethereum Society, what they offer as irrefutable proof, and what Michael Horn frequently offers as <coughs> irrefutable proof about Billy Meyer is uh, it, 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 it sort of follows this this pattern. Billy Meyer or uh, George King of the Ethereum Society, they they knew X before the rest of the world knew X, and since men of George King or Billy Meyer's station could not possibly have known X, therefore the only possible way they could have known X is from uh, UFO people. Let's examine that the three main. Uh, Claims that they they uh, they call irrefutable proof. In in the case of George King, he, he claims these uh, this knowledge came through, like I say, his transmissions from uh, the Aetherius and and something known as Mars Sector Six, primarily. Okay, so the the first one they offer is something uh, I I call the the wind scale accident. In in nineteen fifty seven, that would be October of nineteen fifty seven, England's first nuclear power plant, which was called Wind Scale, it, it had a fire, and the government and the government claimed that the accident was not serious. Uh, King, however, claimed the the cosmic intelligence told him uh, that uh, quote the the scientists were not in any way giving a true account of the results of the accident. Now, he claimed this October 29, 1957. Uh, documents released in 1989 showed the government, in fact, did not give a true account of the accident. Uh, 
the, the government's 1957 secret report was prepared the day before King's Cosmic Intelligence Report. Uh, so it was prepared in Oct- on October 28th. Uh, 1957. So the the theories people sort of wonder, you know, how could King have known the accident was far worse? The uh, the report was secret after all. He he must have gotten this by an alien transmission. Okay, first let, let's sort of back up a bit and and, and sort of look at a little bit of history. Um, in the, in the early 1950s, the UK was was trying to develop its own nuclear weapons, but they kind of wanted the US to give them uh, sort of the, the the keys to the kingdom. And instead of having to reproduce a lot of basic research, the US could just supply England with this uh, with the secrets to atomic weapons, and then uh, the UK could kind of get on with producing its own nuclear weapons. And yes, I know, I know, i got to put it on this point, I know I say nuclear in a strange George Bush way, but I also I say it just like Dr. Mark Chrislip of the Quackcast. So, uh, you know, before you, yes, write me emails and tell me I sound stupid. Uh, please write those emails to Mark Chrislip as well. But I, I swear to you, when I say nuclear, to me, it sounds like I am saying it exactly the way normal super intelligent people say nuclear. I don't know. I, I don't know what's wrong with my strange, weird Canadian, French Canadian lived in America, lived in Korea accent, but let's just get over. Can we just get beyond that? Alright, sorry. So here and I'm going to say probably nuclear in a way that's going to be offensive to many. So, right. So the uh, the UK, they wanted to get nuclear weapons and, and they didn't want to seem like, you know, they were irresponsible and dangerous playing with nuclear technology. So naturally, when there is an accident at a uh, nuclear weapons facility, eh, they're not going to be really giving the full extent of the, of the, uh, uh, of, of the accident. Now, it, it's key that, that all the Ethereum Society claims is, is, is King claims the government wasn't giving a true account. It seems to me you don't really need to be in contact with like all-seeing space aliens to suggest any government in in any nuclear disaster, especially relating to you know a weapons program, isn't going to be telling the full story. Uh, and just as uh, Dr. Mark Chrislip says, nuclear, just like me, Dr. Mark Chrislip also likes to say, water is wet. So you have to sort of wonder, you know, here here is King, a, a decidedly anti-nuclear campaigner. Uh, suggesting, oh, you know, the government's telling us X, but I think maybe Y is happening. Uh, and you also have to wonder, you know, would you know the British tabloid press not question the government account during the course of the accident? In fact, in fact, they were. Uh, I'm going to post references and links on, on the show notes, but but there there is actually a page so sort of devoted to the, to the history of the uh, the wind scale accident that does sort of give a couple transcripts of contemporary news reports uh, on October 11th. And remember, George King's trip supposed transmission was October 29th. On October 11th, uh, the the wind, sorry, the Whitehaven News reported some troubling findings. Uh, this was like 18 days before King's supposed transmission. Uh, the paper reported that there, quote, came disturbing reports from the monitoring vans which were touring the district testing vegetation and air. So it seems to me that in the popular press, people were actually questioning the government account. 
Members of the Ethereum Society also like, like to note the timing of King's revelation and the government document government secret documents seem to be too close to be mere coincidence. Uh, as I said, that the, the, they claim the King transmission uh, came out a day after the government secret report. Uh, for some reason, the Ethereum Society sort of wants to sort of go, ooh, you know, is this coincidence, or this seems too unlikely to be a coincidence? Uh, unfortunately, the, the Ethereum Society, they don't consider basically, you know, how many degrees of freedom are involved in, in suggesting a, a hit is too improbable to be, be a coincidence. For example, if King came up with uh, with the, the transmission three days, you know, before or three days after, would they still call that a hit? Um, you know, if the publication dates did not coincide, uh, you know, would they then look to say that the date the government sort of convened the, the panel to look into it, or when the, they adjourned the panel? So it's very easy sort of retrospectively to find any two data points that correlate in some, some loose fashion. The next sort of line of irrefutable proof the Ethereum Society likes to put forward is, is what I call the, the Russian incident. Uh, King claims on uh, April 18, 1958, uh, space aliens Mars Sector 6 and Ethereus uh, uh, informed King that there was an accident in the Soviet Union and hundreds of people were killed. It, it would have been far worse, but the aliens used some kind of vacuum sucking technology to sort of hoover up large amounts of radiation. Uh, the aliens claim it would have been enough to kill 17 million people. Uh, I, I'll post a link to the actual text of this transmission, which, which is found in King's first book, You Are Responsible! Exclamation mark. Now, the Ethereum Society uh, likes to point out that, you know, Nobody knew about any kind of nuclear accident at, at this point in, in the Soviet Union. In, in fact, in 1957, there was an actual nuclear accident. And, and, but we didn't actually know about this until uh, 1976, when, when a, uh, sort of a, a dissident Soviet scientist, uh, I can't pronounce his name, Zorez Med, Medvedev, uh, he, he, he sort of told the story in The New Scientist. So uh, yeah, so uh, like uh, like I say, as as it turns out, in September 1957, he, he he there was this nuclear accident in the Soviet Urals. So so the theory society goes, ah, you know, we had this transmission in 1958, 1958, talking about a uh, nuclear accident, and look, there was a nuclear accident in 1957. So, and, and the world was clueless until a couple decades later. So you know, how did King know about this? Now the important thing to know about the transmission, and you have to sort of read it, is 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 the the transmission actually offers no no dates or times or locations beyond some undated accident in all of the Soviet Union. You know that the Soviet Union was a, a pretty big place, I, so it seems to me kind of like you know is getting a hit on well at some point the Soviets had an accident you know while they were trying to research nuclear technology, is that really a remarkable hit? Uh, you know, it seems to be a pretty safe bet that the Soviets had a few nuclear disasters when trying to enter the atomic age. Uh, that's sort of one problem. But but really, actually, the, 
the the most damning thing about this is is remember that the uh, Aetherius Society claims that 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 nobody knew. But April between April thirteenth and April fourteenth, nineteen fifty-eight. Now remember, King's transmission was f- actually four days after this. Uh, the uh, New York Times and various papers uh, that carry uh, UP Wire reported uh, about a nuclear accident in the Soviet Union. Uh, at, it was right around this time that the Soviets sort of sort of unilaterally, unilaterally declared that they weren't going to be conducting any above ground nuclear testing, and, and people were kind of like 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 what? Why are they doing that? And and as it sort of turned out, some uh, Danish diplomats kind of found out about this nuclear accident, and and this sort of caused the Soviets to sort of review their whole uh, nuclear nuclear program again. It's like hmm. King made this prediction in April on April 18th, 1958, and all the headlines were reporting a nuclear accident in the Soviet Union. So, you know, did King get this information from space aliens, or did he, I don't know, uh, read it from the headlines? The final uh, line of evidence they like to present is, is, is about the Chernobyl disaster. They they claim that King predicted the Chernobyl disaster, and and, and this one's kind of confusing because it's it's uh their 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 timelines are very very hazy. But uh, apparently, April 1986, King was you know told by the cosmic intelligences to take some sort of um, unprecedented action in preparation for a looming disaster. He was he was told to sort of I, I think. Uh, activate well, what they call radionic apparatus. He was told to activate uh, what, what, what they call a radionic apparatus uh, a bit less than five hours before the, the actual Chernobyl disaster began. And then they also like to claim that you know operators they they operated this these radionic devices for just basically an unprecedented length of time, several days. Uh, my reading is that. They would only typically work these radionic devices for a day, but they they work them for three days, and so so you know how did they know to sort of uh, operate these radionic devices, and and as well how did they know to you know to 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 work them for three days, and then suddenly you know ooh we've been working them for three days, and then we found out about the Chernobyl disaster, so. Let me, let me try and simplify that. The argument seems to be we were doing something we've never done before and something unusual happened in the Soviet Union. So our unusual activity is evidence we knew that disaster was coming. Uh, this, of course, is sort of classic post hoc reasoning. Something odd happened, so we look for something odd we might have been doing before, find something, and then make the connection. But, you know, we forget all the other times we were doing odd things and nothing happened with within some undefined space of time. So if, if they weren't like operating the radionic devices, were they were they doing something else unusual? Were they uh, were they charging up their prayer batteries? So if they weren't, I don't know, releasing something from these radionic devices, were they doing something else a day before or five hours before the Chernobyl disaster that was sort of unusual? We were and as well that the society actually doesn't kind of give us any information you know how often they sort of 
ran this device? Was it something they did every other day? Like, did they do it every week on a, re on a regular schedule? Uh, they don't really sort of tell you enough information. They just sort of, oh, we did it, and then something happened. So it's like, well, did you just always do it? And it was just sort of a lucky coincidence? We don't know. And the other the other part of that equation too is that they, they that they were sort of operating it for an unprecedented length of time. So instead of doing it for like a day, they were doing it for three days. Uh, the Ethereum Society they, they seem very very kind of in, in, impressed by this. Unfortunately, when you kind of look at their their their, their timelines, they they like to sort of claim that nobody knew about the Chernobyl disaster until sort of three days after the event. But in in actual fact, that that uh, people in Sweden started to detect radiation uh, within the very next day. So, uh, you know, there, there was news reports about maybe that the, uh, there was a, an accident at a, at a, a Swedish reactor. So I would uh, imagine that a society that's very sort of anti-nuclear and probably keeps close tabs on all news reports about nuclear accidents, especially in Europe, you know, they would have tuned in and they would have sort of noticed this. And so if they were running their radionic device five hours before, they would have then got reports about, oh, maybe this, there really is an accident in, in, in Europe, and they would have kept it up for another day, and then they would have found out on the third day, oh, it's not in Sweden, it's in the USSR, so let's keep it running for a third day. So, so the whole idea that they're running it for an unprecedented length of time, they were, once they world knew about a, a possible nuclear accident, they, they, that was prompting them to sort of run it for an unprecedented length of time. So that's actually not particularly great evidence. So th those are basically sort of that was sort of the irrefutable proof we were kind of presented with. And, and as you can sort of see that the so-called irrefutable proof is just basically King knew something odd was going on at the time from headlines and then got a transmission and then several decades later, a lot of people have sort of forgotten that these headlines were in the news. And it's just sort of the theory society, people in the theory society just sort of go, ah, look, nobody knew about this, but we knew about this. They kind of don't bother to sort of research, as I did, what did people know at the time King was making these transmissions. And when you, when you begin to sort of research the history of George King, you begin to notice people variously refer to him as, as Dr. King and uh, Sir George King. And they have other kinds of crazy titles for him. But uh, So I, I started to actually kind of research some, some of these titles. Now, if you go to the official Aetherius website, they, the, the, there does not appear to be any place where they refer to him as, as uh, Sir King. Uh, Sir George King. Uh, now they are a society based in the UK, and I, 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 I'm just guessing now that that claiming uh, a knighthood that you don't actually have is probably illegal. But we'll we'll we'll, we'll come back to that. But let's the, as far as the doctor title goes, uh, the Ethereum Society doesn't sort of really tell you where he got his his doctorate. Which I, I think it's kind of funny because I mean the society you know the site the society actually sort of boasts that you know they they've carefully archived all of King's transmissions and there's there's backups stored all throughout the world and they seem very concerned with sort of documenting all this all this information so it seems to be kind of more than a mere oversight that they would not include King's 
academic achievements. You know, where did he get his doctorate? It, it's quite standard, you know, for any university that lists its uh, members of its uh, uh, faculty that they list, you know, where they were awarded their degrees. Uh, in, in researching uh, his doctor claim, I sort of came across a, a passage in, uh, on Wikipedia about King, and this was sort of an earlier version, and it's, it's not, there's no actual reference to it anywhere, but someone, someone suggested in an earlier version, which is now uh, only available if you look at kind of the history, that, that quote, uh, his followers address him as Dr. George King, but the doctor's title was conferred to him not by any university on earth, but by spiritual sources. So, I don't know. I don't know. But like I said, this claim gives no specific references. However, it's not implausible, as we'll see in a moment, that King awarded himself the title, title of prince after supposedly commun communing with St. Peter. Okay. So uh, some of his knighthood and nobility claims, and and again, the the society's official uh, site doesn't list any of these claims. But if you look at some of the the biographical material by academic sources and on Google Books and stuff, they 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 list all these these other uh, claims and titles and honors and awards. And you wonder, well, where did they get this? But if you look at the Ethereum uh, Society via the the Wayback Machine, you can kind of see that in Oh, the, the 90s and the, the early part of the 2000s, they were actually kind of listing this stuff, but they have since removed them. Um, I, I I would not hold the Ethereum Society's you know, feet to the fire for this today, because maybe they have sort of come to the realization that, uh, you know, people can kind of Google on this stuff and, and it, find out that it's mostly bullshit. But by the same token, uh, there are still a lot of sites out there and, and uh, unofficial proponents that, that seem to sort of make claims about his knighthood and, and, and stuff like that. There's one page at the uh, the World Religion and Spirituality Project, uh, which is, seems to be run through the Virginia Commonwealth University. It claims uh, uh, Sir George King uh, Metropolitan Archbishop of the Aetherius Churches, former president of the Aetherius Society. Uh, he also boasted other honorary titles, including Prince Grand Master of the Mystical Order of St. Peter, His Royal Highness George King de Santori, and Knight of Malta. Now, being Archbishop of your own church isn't really that hard of an honor to attain. Uh, his his uh, his Prince Grand Master title was awarded by the Mystical Order of St. Peter. Uh, according to a webpage I found, uh, the Mystical Order of St. Peter was set up by Dr. George King after a mystical communion he had with no less a being than St. Peter. So the Prince title seems to be awarded by a, soci a society he set up himself. If you look at another page about various uh, organizations, registered organizations, you, you see that the uh, Mystical Order of St. Peter has a cherished past stretching back to the pff, mystical epoch of 1981. A UFO wiki uh, claims uh, in 1980 uh, King was also dubbed Sir George King by His Royal and Imperial Highness Prince Robert this is going to be a hard one to pronounce uh, Kim Chichivili, the 40th 
74th Grand Master of the Sovereign Order of St. John of Jerusalem, Knights of Malta. Now, this might be the source of his uh, knighthood claim, where he tries to claim he, people call him Sir. Um, but when you sort of dig into this, uh, Prince Robert uh, Kimchi. Chichavili, uh, you find out it's, it's quite not, non-notable. According to the New York Sun, uh, from 1970, uh, this Kim uh ran a bogus order of St. John of Jerusalem, Knights of Malta, from his uh, uh, New York apartment. Uh, if you paid him a fee, uh, he would give you a knighthood for the uh, tune of about $30,000, and uh, I believe he was, I don't know if he was actually convicted, but you can sort of find web pages where he was sort of indicted and arrest warrant was put out for this guy, so mm, I can see maybe why the actual Ethereum Society does not sort of crow about that anymore. They do like to claim he won a prize of peace and justice from the International Union of Christian Chivalry. Uh, the Society notes, quote, previous recipients of the prize include Albert Einstein, Mother Teresa, and Albert Schweitzer. Uh, the only problem is this International Union of Christian Chivalry does not appear to actually exist. Uh, in a Google search, I can only find actually one other person who who makes a claim of membership uh, with this union. And, and this guy, curiously enough, also claims to be a uh, mentor for the Ethereum Society. And the bit about the, you know, the award having uh, rather notable previous recipients, well, I mean, anyone can invent any award and declare anyone to be a recipient. It's, it's probably no surprise that no biography of any of these historical figures has ever bothered to mention winning the uh, Prize of Peace and Justice from the International Union of Christian Chivalry. The society also likes to claim that um, King received a, quote, grant of arms by Her Majesty's College of Arms in London, England. Uh, again, that sort of sounds impressive, but in fact, grant of arms, are, they're not really sort of rewarded, like, ooh, you've done such a good job, we're going to give you a grant of arms. It's just something you just apply for. It's not, not conferred upon you. Uh, basically, if you're living the UK, if you can kind of trace your your family lineage back to somebody who, who had a, a grant of arms, you can sort of apply for it and then use it. So it's just, it's like not that impressive. One, one of the Society's newsletters, uh, Cosmic Voices, claimed in 1986 that the uh, uh, King received the freedom of the City of London and Freemen of England. Now, being the given the freedom of the city of London, it's uh, it sounds I I impressive, uh, but it's 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 not. Well, it is impressive. There are two. There, there's actually two forms of of the freedom. There, there's kind of like an honorary one that that is awarded. It's kind of like being given the keys to the city. Uh, but but there's also one where basically, if you've been on like the London voter roll for a year, you can actually apply for it. So the, the society doesn't actually sort of offer any evidence that he was given sort of the honorary one uh, versus he was given the one he just sort of applied for. This is a claim sort of begging to be documented by the society. And of course, being the an archbishop of a the Ethereum Church. It's not surprising that King's followers claim he has many religious honors. Now, King claims in his 
book, uh, The Age of Ethereus, that he received in 1981, uh, an award called Minister of the Year from the International Evangelism, Evangelism Crusades. He really likes those crusades. Um, this group does exist. Uh, the group was started by uh, the late uh, Frank Strangis. Uh, Strangis is Oddly enough, he's the author of a book called The UFO Conspiracy, so I, I, I can see why a UFO-believing preacher would award Minister of the Year to another UFO-believing preacher. Researching this international evangelism crusade, uh, I can see in 2006 the group awarded it the uh, the Minister of the Year Award to looks like somebody who, I don't know, related to Strange Strangest. The, the actual, I don't know, standing of the international evangelism crusade among the U.S. religious community uh, does seem to be lacking. Researching that society, uh, their 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 page seems to offer a, uh, a Yahoo webmail address uh, if, now maybe they they are bigger than uh, than I'm, I'm assuming they are, but I, it just seems to me any major society or organization just doesn't have a Yahoo webmail address. Could be wrong. And, and the final sort of religious honor that the uh, the society actually claims for King is that that he was uh, he was a chaplain of the American Federation of Police. Uh, well, that sounds pretty impressive. American Federation of Police, you know, American police, they're, they're pretty stand-up fellows. Uh, but we have to sort of take a step back and realize that the organization's full name is the American Federation of Police and Concerned Citizens. Uh, basically, anyone who is a concerned citizen appears to be able to become a member for $36. Now, uh, when you check out this organization on the Charity Navigator website, uh, they actually give it its lowest ranking, one star. And uh, when you sort of start to research this uh, society using Google News, you, you quickly come across actual several legitimate police organizations that are uh, that are sort of warning residents in their community to avoid uh, uh, giving money to the American Federation of Police, claiming it's a, it's a possible scam. So, uh, you know, I don't know why the society really wants to sort of claim this as some sort of r religious honor uh, as the the actual organization seems quite uh, fly-by-night. E even assuming they have some standing among actual cops, if I go to their site, the, they don't seem to have any official way to uh, apply for a position as chaplain beyond just giving them $36 and saying you're a concerned citizen. Uh, the, site, the site doesn't supply any kind of list of chaplains, which again you think might be kind of useful. You know, it's like, oh, my husband is a police officer in this community. He killed in the line of duty. I'd like to find a chaplain from the American Federation of Police, but there's there's no such listing. Pretty much the only pers other person I can find who who, who claims to be a uh, a chaplain of the American Federation of Police is well is uh, Frank uh, Strangis, who you remember previously uh, gave King the uh, Minister of the Year award. 
Now, the the American Federation of Police, the, it does have a, a national chaplain position on its advisory board. I, I did actually email uh, the society, and uh, and I the I actually did email the American Federation of Police and concerned citizens, and sort of asked them about uh, you know how to become a chaplain. Do they have a list of of chaplains? And and a, a spokesperson sort of emailed me back and said that uh, quote we only appoint and utilize one chaplain, which is sort of the the national chaplain on their advisory board. Uh, he said that the last two were called Father, which I began research googling on their names. It appears that they are both Catholic priests. Now, it's possible at some point the American Federation of Police decided a UFO UFO cult leader would make an excellent national chaplain, but it doesn't seem plausible, especially given their, as far as I can tell, their track record of appointing Catholic priests. Uh, in my correspondence with the, with the spokesperson, uh, I, I said, oh, you know, would you have a list of previous chaplains? And the, the spokesperson, he was very polite, and I was very polite. He said uh, they they don't, they don't actually maintain a list of past national chaplains, and the original founder had died, and uh, I guess institutional memory kind of went with him. So uh, he, he didn't think it was sort of reasonable to dig through boxes of papers to kind of compile this list, and I, I thought, yeah, I'm not going to trouble this guy. It's... But, I mean, I should point out, maybe it's possible at some point in the past, the American Federation of Police, you know, they, maybe they did have a different structure, and, and they did offer additional chaplain positions, who knows, but I can find no, I can find nothing to document the, the truth of that, and I, that burden of proof is clearly on the Aetherius Society. Now, I, I've really kind of badmouthed these people for quite a bit of time, but um, let, me, let me try to say a couple of nice things. That, uh, I, I, like I say at, at the top of the, at the top of the podcast, the uh, the Toronto spokesman he was, he was a very nice guy, very well dressed, very well spoken. You know, when I talked to him at the end of the um, at the end of the the, the the talk about well, it's kind of his bad astronomy and and what I thought were some of the problems with his actual. Um, with his actual irrefutable evidence, and it was, he's a very nice guy, and and um, and uh, he, he did kind of stress that the society they were kind of about about service that you know it, it's not it's, it's not sort of good enough just to sort of you know be nice to your family that you got to get out there and you got to help people and and I mean I don't these people aren't kind of nutty heaven's gators that there's nothing that can be found if anyone has ever done anything illegal they, they've never hurt anybody they never sort of committed suicide they just sort of seem like quite nice nice people and and, and you know the, it, more interesting they're not really kind of they're not sort of offering what, what I call the, 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 the sham wow of, of salvation that, that he, he did seem to stress quite a lot in, in, in the talk that, that you know that, that it's hard work that, that, just, that there's no easy sort of path to, to to sort of happiness and stuff like that that you really have to work and you have to put yourself out there and really help people and I mean I, 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 I kind of appreciated that 
My friend Terry had a good point, and let me just read you from his email. Uh, I've always wondered why religionists will jeopardize a perfectly good message by trying to prove something totally unrelated and usually unnecessary about their faith. It's as if they're implying their values are not persuasive on their own. Therefore, they must compel us to submit by use of proofs. Which I thought, yeah, that's 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 a good point. But... Like I say, you know, I don't, I don't particularly agree with the rationalizations these ethereal society people sort of put forward to sort of, I don't know, try to sort of shore up their uh, their 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 articles of faith. But you know, I mean, they they do. They, the speaker did have sort of a good point that you know sometimes you you do have to take a long hard look at yourself in the mirror and sort of go, you know what, maybe maybe I maybe I'm the problem. Uh, Instead of sort of blaming cosmic forces or you know your asshole boss, that sometimes it's 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 you. So why why am I doing a podcast about these people? Well, I don't know. I I think uh, it was just interesting that um, in kind of a post uh, Fukushima disaster age, when sort of you know people are are sort of taking again a sort of a second look at at nuclear energy, and uh, and and they also sort of combine a lot of yoga and stuff into their beliefs that that they're, you know they're 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 kind of they're kind of hitting some uh some some cultural memes right now and and you know maybe you know maybe people start paying more attention to them but uh but like i say you know hey they got a realistic life philosophy you know help people blame yourself sometimes but um uh I just think their actual lines of evidence are sort of uh, just not there. Sensation. 